Trisden here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up listeners of Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. Trisden here uh, as Ray and I put our final touches on a brand new studio. I'm going to release this week an interview I did in 2019 with Claudette Colvin. If you're unfamiliar with her, she's an extremely important part of African-American history. So give her a Wikipedia uh, either before or after you check this show out. But this interview is one of my favorites because she is literally such a huge part of American history. So again, uh, take a few minutes and check out this interview I did with Claudette Colvin. Ray and I will be back next week with new content. I don't know if that's a promise or a threat. But uh, we do look forward to getting back in front of the mic in our new studio. So we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that, here's me a few years ago. Well, you grew up in 1955, uh, Montgomery, Alabama. You were 15. Is that right? Yes. What was it like growing up in a country so divided? Uh, well... I grew up in, well, we call it, uh, in those days, we call it colored. We was called colored or Negro and, um, and white people. And I grew, it was segregated and there was signs and there was boundaries. There was, uh, concrete boundaries. Like sometimes the boundary would be like separate the communities. Uh, like a highway, a railroad, even a ditch, you know, that separated the communities. And the churches, we went to separate churches, then we went to separate schools. And the only time we interacted with white people was when we were shopping or riding the bus. And uh, I had a very good childhood, in a very happy childhood, in my community, but it was when we went out uh, outside uh, our boundaries, out our communities, that we, you know, you could tell that you was treated differently and unfairly. And but I had a happy childhood. Well, that's that's good that you had a happy childhood, and it's hard in today's America to even fathom that type of separation. It's unbelievable for my generation what that must have been like. Yes, well, you know, you experience things uh, as growing up early, um, like not being able to uh, uh, go to the movies when a good movie come in, a good Western movie come in, you couldn't go to that movie until it run at the, uh, played at the white people's theater, and then uh, sometimes it come to the black theaters. We went to separate theaters. And 
uh, when the circus come in town, uh, Bonhamers, Bailey, and brothers come into town, we only had, well, we only had one day, but it was a half a day because we had to go to school. And after uh, lunch hours, after recess, we had, we was out for, uh, to go to the circus uh, because we didn't, the uh, white people didn't want the black children to come in contact with the uh, white children. So we missed a lot of the, and uh, we didn't go in the evening time because we missed some of the great acts like the uh, walking the trapeze, we didn't see that. So uh, that, and then uh, when the I remember my dad bought me uh, bought me a cowboy hat, and my sister she 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 uh, picked out a pair of boots at uh, Kenny's store on Dexter Avenue because we were going to go to the Coliseum to see Dale Evans and Roy Rogers. Nice. So, but we couldn't go because they canceled the black, the times that they uh, allowed for black people, they canceled it. That's unbelievable. I was so disappointed. Yeah. And uh, I did a little bit of an intro to, to tell folks who you were in advance. So what people may not be aware of is how much you have been a part of influencing history and helping to change uh, a lot of the that segregation by being a very early person to to not give up your place on the bus to white folks and it was you and and three other ladies is that right yes three other students um, well, I tell the people, they ask me the same thing. They ask me, uh, the reporters say, uh, why didn't you get up uh, when the bus driver asked you to get up? I say I couldn't move <laughs> because history had me glued to the seat. <laughs> and the reporter said, now how is that? I said, it felt like so John true hands were pushing me down on one shoulder. And Harriet Tubman hand were pushing me down on the other shoulder. So I could, I was between these two ladies and I couldn't move. That is beautiful. So, but yes, because, uh, remember, March the 2nd, we just had Negro History Month. And at that time, it was only legal. I think it was only legal for a week, but we did it for a whole month because uh, the instructors said, the, the uh, faculty members said that we needed that time to discuss some of our heroes and uh, the, the contributions that African Americans had made to this country was completely left out of history. And so they brought information because to us and discuss it, instead of singing Negro spirituals and reciting poems, we was asked to write essays and to express ourselves, and we had discussions. And so all of February, we discussed all the injustice locally and nationally. So and uh, most of the things that we talked about, my instructor, Mrs. Geraldine Nesbitt, and she was my literature teacher because, and my, uh, well, the history that was in high school is called Social Studies Teacher, Mrs. Joseph Lawrence. Well, they was considered unorthodox in their teaching method by the faculty members because they would go out the way like Mrs. Joseph Lawrence 
had us to subscribe for current events. It's a little mini newspaper that tell you about the whole world. That uh, summarized, the, you know, in a kind of in a nutshell about what happened in the world. Yeah. And we had learned about Kenya, the, the uprising about the Mau Mau in Kenya. And we had, uh, and that's what Mother Joseph Lawrence said. You know, she taught us about that in the current from the current event. And Ms. Nesby, she would do lectures about different injustices and the difference between the North and South and uh, the segregated laws, the system. And they were sanctioned. These laws were carried with sanctioned under states' rights. It was supposed to be separate but equal, but it was anything but equal. It was separate and unequal. Right. So, uh, all February. So that was in the, uh, it just, when the bus driver, uh, asked me this and the passengers on the, white passengers on the bus, I kind of like an explosion, like come to surface, like this was in my subconscious mind, but it just like come to the top of my mind and I just remembered all these things that I just couldn't move. That's amazing. Now, have you always been that courageous? I mean, as a, as a young lady and, and you and the other ladies that were on the bus that day? Were, well, you know, several times uh, I got in, <laughs> in a little uh, trouble because, uh, and not, not trouble, but I was, my parents, I refused to straighten my hair <laughs> because, I, uh, because the texture of my hair by the time I straightened it, I liked to, you know, I was like to run and play, but I sweated out. So I said, it didn't make no sense to go through all this trouble to straighten my hair. Or is it going to turn back? Because I remember back in those days, we didn't have the choices that we have to, cosmetically that we have today. Um, we just uh, only had pomade and a hot comb. And you telling me, I was shy of that hot comb. <laughs> Wow. And so, so anyway, um, I went to school with my hair naturally, and it, the children was laughing at me and said, "Oh, you're not going to have a boyfriend because you come to school with nappy headed." <laughs> so I, I said, "Okay, okay, I don't." I said, "That's all right, you know." <laughs> so I said, "This is me." So they just, you know, I just shook it off, and, and I didn't need them because. They couldn't help me in my school way because I was smarter than them anyway. So they didn't <laughs> help me. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. It really paid off uh, that you didn't uh, always listen to authority for sure. And then, uh, ma'am, I have actually been in contact with San Diego High School, and their students sent in a question. Um, of course. Oh. Thank you. Um, of course, you were in the landmark uh, Supreme Court case, Browder versus Gale. Uh, you can tell us a little bit more about that if you like. But again, that was a Supreme Court decision that allowed uh, equal transportation rights to African American folks, uh, the same as it did whites. Is that a fair su some uh, summary of that ruling? Yes, yes. Uh, in Montgomery, yeah, after the Montgomery bus That's what really. That's what. Uh, made uh, Dr. King by him being successful because a lot of people didn't know that this was throughout the South, not only in Montgomery, it was throughout the South. Right. Because, you know, what to call it, division, like what in the Mason-Dixon line, below the Mason-Dixon line, this was all over the South. Um, anyway, uh, 
stopped uh, when we did, when we uh, was chose, well, let me back up. What I'm trying to say, they had chosen Mrs. Parks to be the uh, spokesperson for this, for the Montgomery bus boycott. Well, that was good because nobody was going to listen to a teenager. So in order for the bus, the majority of the people out, uh, they had to get Mrs. Fox, you know? Right. And that is just, just to your point, real, real quick. Now, if folks listening may not know that Rosa Parks was the face of the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott, but what you and your friends did actually did happen nine months or several months prior, uh, to Rosa Parks. So your yeah. courage did predate what she did, not to take away from her, certainly, but yeah. you did predate that. Yes, mine was, well, what we did was an impulsive, impulsive act, spontaneous act. But see, when Rosa did hers, they had organized, they had, um, the, and they were having trouble calling the NAACP, uh, the people, so they changed it from it, uh, the movement to the Montgomery, the MIA, the Montgomery Improvement Association. And that's where people bring all their grievances and complaints. And um, so she was chosen by them to be the spokesperson. But when they decided that when she was arrested and they wanted to uh, take it to, to the Supreme to, to the Supreme Court, to the highest court, to really abolish the attorneys, that we in order to abolish this states' rights law. It says states' right law, separation of the races. So we have to take it to the Supreme Court. So they had to uh, get four other plaintiffs instead of using Mrs. Fox because she was arrested. She was only arrested for a misdemeanor. And they said the segregationist would have held out before clearing that misdemeanor case in order for her to be a plaintiff for this uh to take the case to the Supreme Court. So therefore, the four women that was selected by the, um, the MIA, and one of the leading attorneys, and the one that I was contact with was uh, Fred, Attorney Fred Gray. Um, Mary Louise Smith, well, another teenager who was arrested in October of the same year, and uh, Mrs. Susan McDonald, and Mrs. Aurelia Browder, who, the, the, you know, her name was named after her Aurelia Browder v. Gale. Gale was the mayor. So these four women were the plaintiffs that made the Montgomery bus boycott successful, these four women. And that I was surprised. I was glad to be a plaintiff and uh, testify and uh, to bring this uh, to a... Uh, you know, dismantle the segregation law. Nice, and that leads me to the to another question from uh, the high school kids. Was it scary for you to testify in such an important historical uh, court case, or was it just was it easy? Oh well, you know, my parents had you know we had heard all since I was an early child. After they heard all of. From eavesdropping from, from older people, I heard all kinds of horror stories about our past history. So, and then, um, remember, um, Jerry Myrie, one of my classmates, was on death row for so, supposedly uh, raping a white woman, but he was uh, accused of being a, instead, for the lady he was arrested, uh, having an affair with, 
he was considered a serial rapist during the summer, and he was uh, on death row. Wow! So it was it was not as a teenager. Mentally, I don't as a teenager. I was a fearful because uh, teenager mind, you know, you hadn't matured enough to be that fearful. You, was a, you knew you was in danger, and you know how to avoid danger, and you know how far you could go, because that's what saved me, because I knew how far I could go. I wasn't crazy like the people said I was crazy. <laughs> the day that I responded like I did, it was because of the white passionists on that bus. I just wanted them to know that they was treating me unfairly and this Negro girl knew that they was treating me unfairly. So I wasn't really crazy. I knew how to avoid, you know, other, you know, getting into trouble. But I was afraid. Yes, I was afraid. Everybody was afraid. All that, the, why Why you think African American didn't rebel? Because they were afraid of white people. Yeah. That, that, but the KKK was, KKK was no joke. They had to carry out these uh, terrorists. Right. Yeah, that uh, is just really unimaginable for folks nowadays. And the amount of change that you brought to the country, it's just, uh, you know, we, we talk about some of this stuff during February, but it really is something that, you know, should be discussed constantly because I think uh, a fear I have is that if we don't learn about these awful times in American history and these heroes and what folks like you did, we're doomed to repeat some of this stuff. Yes, and then to in the 21st century, so we're supposed to be more exposed to white people. At least they change attitude and they, instead of looking at us, you know, through stereotypes, then they see other people that, uh, you know, had contributed to the American society and uh, that we wasn't what, you know, that we wasn't inferior because they had always said that we was inferior and that they were superior. And they had just as many inferior people as we had. You're exactly right. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that that you hear folks say is that the cure for racism is travel. Because when you get to be around folks that don't look exactly like you look in the mirror, the more you learn that we're all really just the same. Yeah, it's not, you know, we have the same grievances and we have the same problems and and we all just planted all together. We all on this one, only this planet. I don't know if we haven't been able to do on another planet yet. <laughs> you are right. Well, Miss Colvin, uh, I have to say you're an American treasure, and I certainly appreciate your time. And I invite folks. Uh, that have t- uh, tuned into this, or if you're watching on WBON TV, to please look up Miss Claudette Colvin. And her contribution to American history, it's just unbelievable. And the Browder versus Gale landmark Supreme Court case. And I'd like to thank you for your time today. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm very I'm glad that I could do it. I'm glad that I live long enough to tell this story. Yeah, well, I'm sure glad that you did. And I'm, I'm glad that I got to hear it uh, by talking with you. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. 
and I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.